Good morning. Welcome to worship at Calvary Baptist Church this great morning. I'm Philip Sitton. It's my pleasure to welcome all of you, especially our guests. If you are visiting with us, we ask that you find this information card in the pew rack in front of you. Fill it out and turn it in in the offering plate later so that we can have a contact to find out how we can minister to you and how you can minister with us in this place. For those of us who are members and call this place our, our spiritual home, it's, this is a hallelujah day. There's lots of energy. We know that God is here. We know that we are here. We know that we have been planning and praying and hoping and working for this day for a long time. The man of the hour is here with his family. We have business that we will be taken care of once we have worshiped. And that is our primary purpose, of course, for being here. We want to, we want to lift our praise. We want to lift our thanksgiving. We want to lift our, our adoration to the Lord for all who he is and what he has done for us. And we will do that now as the choir comes to lead us to the throne of grace.
God, we confess that too often we neglect the rest you offer and ask of us. You offer us the rest of the one who knows she is deeply loved. You offer the rest of one who knows the Sabbath was made for her, not the other way around. We confess that our lives do not often demonstrate the reality that your yoke is easy and that your burden is light. For neglecting rest, we are sorry. For choosing work instead of, instead of trust, we are sorry. For struggling against your yoke, we are sorry and we repent. Grant us the courage and creativity to reimagine and to live well-rested lives. Amen. Lord, I come to you, I need you. 
From Genesis. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that had done, he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. A reading from Exodus. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Would you 
shine on in, give these dead bones life. Shine on in, give these dead bones life. Let it shine, let it shine, on and on, on and on, come alive, let it shine. All the children could join me up here. That would be great. Okay. So I need some help. And I know y'all probably know that. I need lots of help. But this morning, I need help with something in particular. Um, I think I really need to charge my phone. Okay? Can y'all help me out with that? You know, like, what a phone charger looks like and stuff? Okay. Because I have lots of different things in here that I've tried, and it, they're not working out. So, like, this looks like a good phone charger, doesn't it? Do you think this is going to charge my phone? Caroline? No? It doesn't, uh, it doesn't quite, do you think it goes in like over here? No? Okay, let's try again. Oh, this one's got to be it. See, there's so many things in here. Maybe this is the issue. What about, what about this one, like right here? You think this works? No? <sighs> Some of you are not surprised, I know. Um, oh, I found it. You think this one will work? Yeah. Okay. 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 Thank y'all for helping me with that. What would happen if I tried to use the wrong charger with my phone?
It would be too small or too big. What would happen to my phone? It wouldn't charge. It wouldn't work, right? Do you think that we have to be charged or recharged to continue to work and be able to do things? Yeah, we do. Absolutely. Today, you've heard already, you heard um, the ensemble read a verse about the Sabbath. What does that mean? Does anybody know? A day of rest, exactly. It means a day of rest. Now, but I think what we do sometimes is we try to use the wrong charger for us to recharge ourselves and to rest. Wouldn't you agree? Sometimes we do things that really don't help us get rest. And you know what? On the Sabbath, it doesn't mean that we don't have to do anything. It means finding things to do that are going to recharge us and to give us rest. So I have a question for you. What are some things that you think your parents do that recharges them, that you see them do? Sleep. Amen. What else? Do what? Read. Good. I was thinking that. What else? Running, yeah. Running is definitely not something that would recharge me, but I bet it works for Miss Tiffany and Mr. Andy. Yeah, right? So it doesn't mean not doing anything. It means finding things to do that recharge you and give you rest. What are some things that you could do that give you rest? Eat, yeah, absolutely. What else? What are some things you like to do that give you rest? Be lazy. Yeah, sometimes that's what it's about, right? And you know, it's not just about resting so that we um, can sleep and not be tired anymore. It's about resting so that we can focus on God and remember God more, right? So that we're not distracted and tired by all of the other things that are going on in the world. So I have homework for you because it's summer and you need something to do. I want you to ask an adult before you leave today, what is something they do for Sabbath, for rest? It can be your parents or it can be any adult in this room. So be ready, adults. And I want you to ask them, what do you do for Sabbath? Can you handle that? You can. I know you can do it. All right. Y'all pray with me. God, thank you for giving us um, the command to rest and to have Sabbath. Lord, help us to remember that um, and to form habits around that as when we're children um, and God, help these children to teach us adults how to do that as well. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Gonna lay down my burdens down by the riverside, down by the riverside, down by the riverside, gonna lay down my burdens.
as we've come to Calvary and, and met so many of you, we've just seen that same kind of support. And so that's just been such a hopeful thing for, for us and for our family um, to see that. I think it has been for us as well. So you mentioned some of the challenges, just the reality of getting up, getting kids to school, all the responsibilities. How do you carve out time and space for Mary Oliver poetry and quiet time and even time with community in the midst of real day challenges? You never want those kinds of sort of organic things to be disciplines, but there's this level at which um, it, it takes sort of carving those spaces out, to use your words, um, to make sure that you create space, even if it doesn't always, one of the things I've had to learn, especially having kids and being a parent, is that so many times it's not the way I did it before. It always has to be changing. There's always a new season, and I've got to kind of adapt and find that space in a new place in a new way to be really intentional about doing that. And that's a great reminder for us. I think I talked with Jess Gregory last week, and she said, what's saving my life in this season of seminary is totally different than how I would have answered that question a few years ago. And so these questions are always, our answers to this are always going to be changing and developing, and that's part of growing with God. Um, so my last question for you, something you've talked about a lot over the course of this weekend, is just this intersection between spiritual formation and mission. And I really think that hits at the heart of this series, that when we engage in practices and activities that are life-saving to us and that are breathing life into us spiritually, that in turn affects how we turn outward and how we engage with our neighbors and the world around us. Can you speak to that and even to share what are some of your hopes and dreams for how you can partner with Calvary in that in the days ahead? Um, I think to be say this, but when I first saw the job description for this associate pastor, it, it had that language of spiritual formation and mission, and that was just such an intriguing thing to me right off the bat. Uh, those are two things that are very important to me in life and, and to our family, and I think um, on the mission side of things, it is important as a church that we are out in the world, that we are engaging our neighborhood, that we're engaging our city, our region, and, and even across the globe in a lot of cases. I, I think that is part of our calling walking alongside Christ, that he takes us into places, sometimes where we're not very comfortable, sometimes where we don't know what to do, sometimes where we make mistakes, and in that going out, you, you end up being really vulnerable, and I think spiritual formation comes alongside that process of going out into the world to kind of help shape who you are. Um, we, we talked a little bit yesterday morning about the sort of participating in that, that, that we're not really taking Jesus anywhere. Jesus isn't already at work in some way. We're trying to find out what Jesus is doing somewhere where God is at work in the world and partnering with God in that. And spiritual formation is the same way on an individual level. It's being attentive to the thing that God is doing inside of you. And so those two things work together, I, I think, to empower each other, to make sure that as you go out on mission, you are developing and growing and staying healthy. But if you only do that, if you only work on yourself, you're, you're missing this important part and it kind of becomes stale. So without mission, spiritual formation kind of, you know, doesn't work. And so blending those two together, I think it's just such an incredible thing. It, thinking about Calvary, I, I think there's already so much of both of those things that are at work in this church, that are at work in these people. And so in so many ways, I, I hope to just kind of discover what's already happening and then find ways to maybe help come alongside and, and increase that as, as best we can to, to do our best to make sure that that is a really fruitful process. 
Well, thank you for your thoughts and for sharing. And I think we are all excited about dreaming in these ways with you. And I hope we will all continue to dream about what are the things that are saving our lives. Gonna lay down my burden Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Gonna lay down my burden Down by the riverside Gonna study war no more I ain't gonna study war no more Ain't gonna study war no more. Ain't gonna study war no And now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this room be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. How many of you have heard of a man named John Kenneth Galbraith? Quite a few of y'all. Way to go. So he was one of the leading economists of the mid-20th century, and he actually served as the political advisor to a handful of presidents. In his autobiography, Galbraith tells this great story about his family's housekeeper, a woman named Emily Gloria Wilson. So the story goes that one evening, Galbraith had come home from a long day at work, and he asked Mrs. Wilson to hold all of his telephone calls so that he could take a nap. Shortly after he went to sleep, of course, the phone rang, and the voice on the other line said, I need to speak to Ken Galbraith, please. She said, I'm sorry, sir, but he's not available right now. I really need to speak to Galbraith. It's very important. Put him on the phone, please. But Mrs. Wilson reiterated her message. And finally, the person on the other line said, Ma'am, this is President Lyndon B. Johnson, and I need to speak to Mr. Galbraith immediately. I'm sorry, Mr. President, but he's sleeping. <laughs> and he said not to disturb him. And click, she hung up the phone. So when Galbraith woke up, he asked if he had received any calls, and Mrs. Wilson said, well, there was this one that you might want to return. Galbraith immediately called the president. Lyndon B. Johnson picked up the phone and said, who in the world was that woman, and how can I get her to come work for me? 
It's a really great story, and perhaps what is so surprising to us is that Emily Wilson would have the audacity to protect her boss's need for a nap, even if it meant disobeying an urgent request from the president. Because the vast majority of us would never have done something like that, would we? Our world just doesn't function in that way. We simply do not exist in a culture that honors and protects and even prioritizes rest. For example, how many of us, when people ask how we're doing, respond by sharing how busy we are? How many of us, when we think back on our schedule over the past few months, words like nonstop, overcommitted, or exhausting are some of the first words that come to mind. How many of us have ever felt guilty for taking time off work, for putting away our emails and to-do lists, because we know there is always more work that needs to be done? And how many of us find ourselves saying, after this week is over, I really think things are going to start to slow down a bit, except we've been saying that week after week after week. I know that many of us in this room are wired this way, myself included, and sometimes with the best of intentions. I mean, we take seriously the words in Galatians, do not become weary in well-doing because you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And so we don't. And on one hand, I believe that our busyness and our hard work and our well-doing are actually part of what makes Calvary such a big-hearted church. However, I'm also convinced that when you and I inhabit this energizer bunny lifestyle of constantly going and going and going, that this is not the life that God intends for any of us, even if our going is filled with great kingdom-building things. As Brother David Stendhal Rast reminds us, the Chinese character for busy is composed of two characters, heart and killing. Which is why I believe that one of the most important things that can truly save our lives is for us to find times and spaces in which we practice Sabbath, in which we do not accomplish or achieve or produce anything at all, but simply allow ourselves to rest in the presence of God. Laura Williams and I were talking this morning about how nice it would be if we all just had a button that we could click to hit pause on our lives, or to hit pause in the midst of the summer even. And the reality is that a holy pause is precisely what Sabbath is. As Wayne Muller writes at the beginning of his book, Sabbath, all life requires a rhythm of rest. There's a rhythm in our waking activity and in the body's need for sleep. There's a rhythm in which day dissolves into night and night into morning. There's rhythm as the active growth of spring and summer is quieted by the necessary dormancy of fall and winter. There's a tidal rhythm, a deep, eternal conversation between the land and the sea. In our bodies, the heart perceptibly rests after every life-giving beat. The lungs rest between inhale and exhale. 
You know, I'm not sure where or when or how it first happened. But somewhere along the way, we have lost this essential rhythm. We have run ourselves ragged, living with an overinflated sense of pride that believes that the rules that govern the sun to set, leaves to fall, waves to ebb and flow, and lungs to exhale, simply don't apply to us. Sure, we take seriously the commandments not to kill or to steal, but the commandment to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy for some reason doesn't rank as highly on our priority list. And things really haven't changed that much because the truth is that the Sabbath commandment wouldn't have ranked highly for the Israelites either. In fact, it might not have been on their radar. Walter Brueggemann points out that there had been no Sabbath for the Israelites in Egypt because their work for Pharaoh was never done. They had to keep working around the clock just to keep up with the frantic productivity of the entire Egyptian system. But after they escape Pharaoh's rule and make their way with Moses into the wilderness, God finally gives them a set of commandments to live by. And in the fourth commandment, God says to them, remember the Sabbath. Now notice God isn't saying that working hard is bad. In fact, for six days of the week, they are instructed to labor and to do all of their work. But then on the seventh day, they are called to stop. What's done is done. What's not done is not done. Let it be, as one of my favorite prayers says. You know, part of me wonders if God chose to use the word remember in the commandment about the Sabbath because we all too often seem to forget it. We have from the very beginning. You see, creation is called to rest much earlier than the time when Moses is given the Ten Commandments. We see it in the second chapter of Genesis when God rests on the seventh day of creation. Jewish scholar Abraham Heschel points out that when God made everything in creation, even humankind, God called it good. But when God rested on the seventh day, God called it holy. I've read Genesis 1 and 2 I don't know how many times, and I had never noticed that before, that God makes rest the first sacred thing in all of creation. Not an altar, not a temple, not a mountain or any kind of place or physical thing, but a time set aside for rest is the first thing that our God calls holy. And so the question I'd like for us to ask ourselves today is this. What would it look like if you and I were to honor rest as something that is sacred and holy? What difference would it make in our lives? What difference would it make in the world? In his book, Wayne Muller tells a story about his friend Charles, who he describes as a gifted and thoughtful physician. So one day, Wayne was processing some of his thoughts about Sabbath and rest when Charles began to reflect on his experience with exhaustion during medical school. He said, from the very minute they begin medical school, health care professionals are trained to work even when they are sleep-deprived and overloaded. That's just an expectation of the work that they are called to do. 
But after some time at trying to keep up with that frenetic pace, Charles said, he began to notice something. He said, if I saw a patient when I was extremely tired or overworked, I would automatically order a lot of tests. I was so exhausted that I just couldn't tell exactly what was going on. I could see the symptoms, I could recognize all the possible diagnoses, but I just couldn't understand how it all fit together. So I got in the habit of ordering a battery of tests, hoping that one of them would tell me what I was missing. But I noticed that when I was rested, if I'd had an opportunity to get some sleep that night, when I saw my next patient, I could almost always rely on my own intuition and experience to give me a pretty accurate reading of what was happening. If there was any uncertainty in my diagnosis, I would order a single specific test to confirm or deny it. But when I could take the time to listen and to be present with my patients and their illness, I was almost always right. I can't help but wonder how the same might be true for you and me. How, when we are well rested, we might be more present with our children, our neighbors, our coworkers, family and friends. How we might be more in tune with our work and our callings and perhaps notice things we haven't before. How we might approach challenging situations and difficult circumstances with more clarity, thoughtfulness, and insight. How we might be able to respond to others with more grace, more understanding. How we might be more creative, more intuitive, and frankly, more in tune with the work of the Spirit in our midst. If only we made it a practice to live into our identity as human beings before we ever seek to be human doings. But if you and I are to orient our lives in this way, it means we have some work to do. Or perhaps a better way of saying it is that we have some non-work to do. I can't prescribe what Sabbath will look like for any of us. And it will look differently in various seasons of our lives, just like John mentioned. But what I can say is that no matter how important we believe our jobs, our relationships, even our service and our community and our church, I believe that God calls all of us to find times and ways to set it all down and to rest and to honor this time as holy. After all, even Jesus, when he was surrounded by the overwhelming needs of others, would often sneak away without needing to offer any kind of excuse or explanation, and he would rest. And he said to the disciples, Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And he invites us to do the same. Many of us know Mother Teresa's work with the Missionaries of Charity. In Calcutta alone, they run 19 homes to care for women, for children, for the dying, in addition to an AIDS hospice, a school for street children, and a leper colony. The sisters who are part of her ministry take vows of chastity, poverty, and obedience, and a fourth vow to give 
wholehearted and free service to the poorest of the poor. But what you may not be familiar with is the specific schedule of work and rest that Mother Teresa required everyone serving in her ministry to follow. She instructed the following. One, work in the wake of need for six days, but you must be away from need on the seventh day. Everyone has a day to rest every six days. Two, Work in that rhythm for three weeks, but on the fourth week, you are required to be away from need, from helping the dying, and from giving comfort to the ill for an entire week. Three, work in that rhythm for 11 months, and then you must be out and away from helping people for an entire month. Four, work in that rhythm for six years, then take an extended time a sabbatical time for an entire year. Can you imagine the difference it might make if you and I took seriously not only the call to serve in the ways that Mother Teresa so selflessly served, but if we just as seriously practiced the call to rest as Mother Teresa also did. The very things that feel like they're saving our lives might just become life-saving to the world, too. As Professor Will Willimon once wrote, it may seem odd to speak of resting as an ethical or a spiritual activity, yet consider how much havoc we have wreaked in the world with our ceaseless work and striving. We get organized, make plans, move forward, and begin to build, and babble is frequently the result of our busyness. But on the Sabbath, we stop and take stock. We find ourselves falling back into the everlasting arms, resting upon the promise of God never to desert us, never to allow chaos to overwhelm. Ultimately, he says, it takes a people who are confident in God to truly rest. And so may we rest as a way to acknowledge that we are not in control as much as we try to fool ourselves into being. May we rest as an act of resistance to the can't-stop, won't-stop culture of self-sufficiency that is all around us. May we rest as a sign that our trust isn't in ourselves, but in the God who invites the sun to rest, the waves to ebb and flow, and the dead of winter to grow into spring. And may we rest simply because God did too. On the seventh day, God rested from all the work that God had done, and God called it holy. And so, God, I pray that you would invite us into spaces and ways in which we might rest, in which we might be still and know that you are God and we are not. God, convict us of the ways in which our sense of pride and self-sufficiency have completely stopped us from a rhythm of relying on you. And help us to find times and ways to rest in your presence, trusting that that will call us forward 
to do all the different things you are calling us to do and to be the people you are calling us to be. We ask these things in your name. Amen. As I was reflecting on this sermon, I was struck by the idea that I really can't rest in the presence of God if I also can't live in the presence of God. And yet we are called to live each day, our sleeping and our rising, to trust in God with all of our hearts, to lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways and in all of our activity, to acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. If you'd like to talk with one of our ministers about what it means to follow God, to walk in these ways of Jesus, we would love to visit with you about that. Or if you'd like to learn more about how you can join our faith community here at Calvary, our ministers will be in the back of the sanctuary ready to receive you and to pray with you as we continue in worship. our vain ambitions worry, come to Christ to find release. Come away from noise and clamor, life's demands and frenzied pace. Come to join the people gathered here to seek and find God's face. In the pastures of God's goodness, we lie down to rest our soul. From the waters of God's mercy, we drink deeply or made whole. At the table of God's presence, all the saints are richly fed. With the oil of God's anointing, into service we are led. Come then, children, with your burdens, life's confusions, fears, and pain. Leave them at the cross of Jesus, take instead his kingdom's reign. Bring your thirst, and he will quench them, he alone will satisfy. All the longings find attainment when to self we gladly die.
God, we do not know how to slow down. I cannot imagine stopping most of the time. None of us rest well. We hear you call out to us to pause, to rest, to stop. But we want to put it on our to-do list for another day. No time to stop this week. We are weary. We are worn out. We cannot remember the last time we really slowed down, much less stopped to rest. Teach us this morning, oh God, what it means to rest in you. We may not have the courage or the will for a Sabbath day, and so you open your arms to us for even Sabbath moments, promising that you will welcome and restore us. Help us to give ourselves to you in rest. Help us to be well-rested so we may be more generous. Help us to give of ourselves for your work in this place. Help us to give generously for your work and our hurting world. We are grateful for all that you have given us. Help us to give back with that same spirit of openness and love. And may our hearts trust in you as we give, and may our souls find rest in you. Amen. My soul finds rest in God alone, my rock and my salvation. A fortress strong against my foes, and I will not be shaken. Though lips may bless and hearts may curse, and lines like arrows pierce me. I'll fix my heart on righteousness. I'll look to him who hears me. Oh, praise him, hallelujah, my delight and my reward. And rest my soul in God alone amid the world's temptations. When evil seeks to take a hold, I'll cling to my salvation. Though riches come and riches go, 
Don't set your heart upon them. The fields of hope in which I sow are harvested in heaven. Oh, praise him, hallelujah, my delight and my reward. Everlasting, never failing, my Redeemer, my God. I'll set my gaze on God alone and trust in Him completely. With every day pour out my soul, and he will prove his mercy. Though life is but a fleeting breath, a sight too brief to measure, my king has crushed the curse of death, and I am his forever. Oh, praise him, hallelujah, my delight and my reward, everlasting, never failing, my redeemer, my God. I know that abruptly moving from uh, worship into a business session often seems like an intrusion to many of you, but as we move from that portion of our morning which is governed by the Holy Spirit to that which is governed by Robert's rules of order, I would like you to re-envision it, re it as we are engaging in an activity that is saving David Lentz. So, 
And so I formally call us into business session for two purposes. One, to vote upon a recommendation related to personnel, and two, to send our beloved David Lentz into the welcoming arms of Jesus' Sabbath rest. All right. And so I would like to invite Julie Corley and Jennifer Lowe up as co-chairs of the Associate Pastor Search Committee. We have had a really great weekend um, visiting with John Hunt and his family here in Waco and introducing them to Calvary. And we hope that at some point during the weekend you got the chance to meet uh, John and his family, um, Molly and Lucy and Miles and Sonny. And after an extensive national search, it is with great joy that the Associate Pastor Search Committee presents our unanimous recommendation that John Hunt be called as our associate pastor for Calvary Baptist Church effective the month of August 2019. And because this comes as a recommendation from the committee, it does not require a second, so we will simply vote. All in favor of affirming this recommendation indicate by an uplifted right hand. All opposed by same sign. Uh, there is no opposition, so the motion passes. All right. And that ends our business session. I think Jeremy's calling him back in, so we can give him one more round of applause when he gets here. Yep, here we go. say it has been such a gift to get to know you um, not only these past few years but especially these past few weeks and for the Calvary family to meet the Hunt family it has been a joy to watch that and then participate in that this weekend uh, I want to say thank you to you specifically but then to all of you as a family uh, for being open to the call of the Spirit to unexpected places and for your willingness to take a risk and to join in what God is doing with us in this place it is very exciting for me to begin to imagine what it will be like for us to serve together with the Calvary family in the days to come. Um, the Hunt family will walk out with me during the benediction, and I know you will want to greet them as you leave worship today. Uh, but a few other things I just wanted to mention as we leave. I wanted to acknowledge that the Tang family is back with us today. Dennis, Agnes, and Erin. They are back after a year of Agnes's Fulbright scholarship work in Taiwan and Dennis's work in Suzhou, China. Um, and Aaron played beautifully for us this morning and it's such a joy to get to reconnect with you all this morning. And then we also want to keep our whole youth group and our South Texas mission team in prayer. About 30 of them left at nine o'clock this morning and are making their way to South Texas as we speak. They've had considerable flooding this week that who knows what may happen and how that may alter their plans. Um, 
but we want to be praying for the work that God will do in their midst. Um, it has been a very good day, and I am so grateful. Please stand and join me in this benediction. Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment, and comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you, may Christ's mercy astound you, and may the Spirit abound in you, so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen. Go now in peace. Amen.